Hey you, my entrepreneurial friend. Of 10 years of running my coaching business, I am going to finally teach business. And of course, I'm going to teach business with human design. Because the thing that I've discovered over the last decade is that the way everyone else taught me to run a business didn't freaking work for me. So over this last decade, to create a multiple seven-figure business, I've broken all the rules. I have done everything my way. I have looked experts in the face and downright said no, all to create something I love with greater ease and flow that literally is changing the world. And the best part is it doesn't feel like work at all. It feels like I get to hang out with my best friends and I am having a huge impact on the planet at the same time. So if you own a business that you want to finally maybe start, grow, or even scale, then come and join me on the 9th of May to discover how your human design can create the most beautiful, authentic success for you. For all the details, follow the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Human Design Podcast with me, your host, Emma Dunwoody. I'm a qualified master coach and human behavior specialist, as well as being a qualified human design coach. And I work with clients every single day to answer the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is my purpose? I also assist them to transition from the person they think they should be to the person they really are on the inside. I teach people how to actually live their design instead of just knowing it. And if this is something that you want to do too, well, stay tuned or reach out for private coaching or human design unpacks where I show you exactly how to live your design. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I am super pumped and excited because do you know what's just around the corner? Oh my goodness, I am so excited. The mastermind. I know, I've made you wait a really long time this year. I get it, I hear you. I've constantly got questions about when is it going to be this year? Am I even going to run one this year? And yes, I am. It is absolutely, literally days away from being announced. And if you don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to my mastermind, this is the most transformational program you can possibly do. And it doesn't matter if you are flat out with life, with all your freaking balls in the air, trying to juggle work, relationships, friends, kids, everything else that's going on in your life along with your human design study. But this is a transformational program, like absolutely transformational program. You get to spend 30 hours with me in a small group group coaching environment. Like it's going to be awesome. So I'm so pumped and excited. Now, if that sounds like something that you might want to learn more about, or at least get on the, the, the waiting list, go to the show notes, um, go to the show notes and Sign up for that waitlist and we'll let you know as soon as it happens. The next thing, of course, I just want to remind you because we only have a few more sleeps. That is my live masterclass, which is all about discovering your purpose with human design. This is going to be such an exciting experience. It's a three hour event and I'm going to do a couple of things I've never done before. Um, We are going to do an integration exercise 
So we're going to be learning and we're going to do an integration exercise and then I'm going to run some hot seats. So you will actually get a chance to potentially be coached by me on your human design and your purpose. Oh my God, does that sound like fun to you? Because it really sounds like fun to me. Cannot wait for that. So you can come and come along and join us. The link is in the show notes. For all those who are continuously reaching out about Bailey, our beautiful dog, thank you so much for sending lots of love. He's really well supported. Um, he's still getting better, which is really great. Um, so we're just keeping our fingers and toes crossed that we will continue on this beautiful journey. And I am very, very grateful for everyone's support on that. So enough from me. Let's get into today's episode, which is a conversation with Michael Barry. Enjoy. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I am super excited to share a journey with you today um, with someone that I suppose has kind of been popping up in my DMs for a while now. Um, And I always love to share people's journeys. And I think a large part of the work that I'm here to do in the world, especially within human design, is also make sure that the, the guys' stories are told as well. Because so often this area of of personal development and spirituality is dominated by by women. You know, we're the ones that go searching for the journey first. So today um, I'm welcoming Michael Barry. How are you? Doing great, Emma. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm excited to chat about your human design journey. But before we get into that, do you want to tell a little bit, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and of course your human design? Yeah. So um, I'm a one four manifesting generator. Um, I'm 27 years old, turning 28 tomorrow. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've been, um, I guess you could say I've been freelancing for like my whole life as far as, um, holding down a job. I've had desk jobs. I've had pretty much everything you can imagine, but I always find myself going back to the creative side of things and kind of, I don't know. I like the, uh, the whole the whole process behind creating something. So, um, you know, I've worked in a lot of different fields and I always find myself circling back to the same, same route. And, uh, human design has kind of been a very eye-opening tool to kind of, it, it cemented that, that blueprint that I have always felt about myself was kind of validated. Yeah. It was a bizarre, bizarre experiencing. A, a bizarre experience to read my chart for the first time and read through what all that meant. Cause I'm like, I've just felt that like yeah. my whole life. And yeah. it was a uh, very, very just almost surreal. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? You know, like um, just looking at your chart right now, like that, that love that you have of creativity, you've got that literally the channel all the way down from the 61 all the down, way down to the 14. And you know, it's so much about this individual, you know, individual individualistic energy, um, and you know, being an MG, you're not really designed to sit fit into anyone else's, um, you know, uh, anyone else's ideas or ways of being and ways of working. So, I love that. I mean, so often when we look at our design, we just get so many answers. But I love that. Tell me about. When you first, like, what actually sparked your interest in human design? I mean, 
do you did you sit around all day looking at different spiritual gurus and teachers and um you know find your all your profiles or your behavioral profiles like were you doing a lot of that or did human design kind of find you um human design definitely found me i was actually just looking through linkedin for a new job just to see if there's anything anything better that would be a better fit for me or just you know switching things up and um actually one of the jobs required me to um give them my my human design chart and so i i was like okay this is going to be like you know business corporate like management material are you going to be like you know a good team player etc cetera, etc cetera. and then i looked at that chart and i was like there's a lot <laughs> this i was just flabbergasted that they were asking for that and um i i don't even remember if i even applied for the job i think i just started going off on on human design research right after that because i was like i need to know oh my what god is and, of course you do line one <laughs> yep yep and i'm like okay where do i start do i go with the numbers or do i go with the shapes or do i go with the lines and then i you know you kind of go through that first night or like first week or that first binge i guess if you want to call it that of just getting all that information and um you know, it was like that for a while. And now I've just kind of slowed myself down in the process and tried to like, you know what, let's just take that when that moment, when your like spleen is telling you something, just feel that and know what that is in your chart. And then once that's kind of internalized, just move on to the next. So yeah, I love that. I, I love that. About, I would say I'm about like 20% into like my whole chart, but it has already been I'm, I'm trying to like take it slow and really internalize it. Yeah. And I think that yeah. that in itself is so powerful. I mean, it's something that I'm always banging on about, you know, like we do, we see our chart for the first time. And even when we, our first sort of six months of the experiment, everyone wants to know all the details. Everybody wants to know all their gates. They want to understand their incarnation cross. They want to dive into their, you know, now the gene keys is just blowing up. So they want to know their freaking pearl sequence or whatever it is. And yep. I think that <laughs> one of the things that, I know to be true and you know being like I'm well and truly like five years into my experiment um, and one of the things that you know even as I'm doing my pearl sequence I'm like fuck off like that's exactly what I've created or that's exactly where I'm going yeah. or and the, the beauty is is that I never created it I didn't learn it first I lived it first because I'd, I'd got my strategy and authority and I and I understand the importance of that but tell yeah. me like when you first discovered your chart and you went down, you know, that line one and you went down the freaking rabbit hole, like mm. what were the first few things that you started to implement? Like what were the, yeah, what were the first few things you started to implement? Um, well, first of all, the, that like, that just like, oh, fuck off. Like how is this so accurate? That was like just that whole feeling of reading everything about like my defined centers and I think the first thing I started focusing more on is that on my undefined centers and how mm. that's affecting me Gold. and how that plays roles in every, in literally everything. So um, I want to actually just pause you there because I want to talk about that yeah. a little bit because I don't think we talk about this enough for MGs. And I know for me personally, I've only got four um, centers defined. Um, I mean, you've got five centers defined. You've, you're a single definition, like I'm a split definition. But I was lucky enough to to follow a teacher that's all about the undefined um, centers. And I think that we don't talk about how they affect us as MGs. We talk about our defined centers and our impact and our big energy and all of these things, but we don't talk enough about how, I mean, I know for me, I 
definitely resonated with so much of the projector stuff because I take on so much of other people's or I used to take on and identify with other people's energy and now I don't so much. So I'd love to hear about that journey for you. Like when you first started to learn about your undefined centers, like what specifically changed? Like what did you do differently? What were the aha moments? So um, I started to notice like, you know, as being an MG and just kind of the the centers that I have to find, I feel like I have that like walk into a room and that's like, let's go. Let's, and like, I'll get, I'll be like the one to get something started or like, let's do a project. Let's, let's go outside and take a walk. Like, and, and I'm not trying to like just walk into the room and make it, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do whatever I want. And I'm like, that's just that always that mo internal motor, just always going. And yeah. just the, it's a beautiful day. Let's go make something happen. Let's go make a memory, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I really, I just got to just jump in there because I feel yeah. like this is one of the things that MGs and, and manifesting generator women really struggle with this. Like if you're an MG, people know when you walk in the room and it's yeah. our choice. Like we either fully step into that energy, like you're talking about, um, or we pull back. And I know for me, I've done both, you know, like I can go into a room and hide in a corner or I can go into a room and fully step into my energy. So yeah, I really love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes that can be a lot to, for people that are regularly a part of your life and that are very close to you. So, um, just to circle back to the undefined parts of that, that really helped me just slow that motor down, kick it down a couple gears and really, think about how their energy is bouncing off of me and how I'm reflecting that back to them. So it has helped me like slow down with that a lot. And it has helped me. Honestly, I tell people when I talk about human design, I'm like, it's a great like journaling tool. If, if you look at it as anything, look at it as a journal prompting tool, just read about, read about a gate, read about a center, and then write down how you feel that like that mm. impacts you or yeah. where you felt that in your life. So it, it's helped me to just, I guess, step into myself a little bit more. And you think that the undefined centers would be like, oh, that's where I feel so distant from something. But it really helps you fill in those gaps of like, where could I be better? And where, how could I do this better? Mm. Or how could I, you know, walk into a room and still have that MG energy, but really understand that my undefined solar plexus could really use some help from some other people here. And I can yeah. like learn something of even just about myself through just an interaction, just by having that kind of in the back of my head. So um, yeah, that. that, that was how the undefined centers really, uh, really impacted me. I think it just slowing myself down. And not I love that. Too <laughs> and I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important to remember that, you know, like in our undefined centers, I love what you said, like really being conscious of the energy that's, that we are taking in and amplifying and sending back because already sort of taking up space and having a big energy that, that can be. And I think that, you know, I'm curious, I wonder if things like ADHD and those things that a lot of MGs get um, diagnosed with, you know, I wonder if that is like potentially it is their undefined centers that, you know, they're already 
sort of operating at this big expansive aura and maybe it is maybe it's coming from those undefined centers and that the, the sacral is trying to do something with this energy but it's not it, to, it it's not the sacral energy it's it's the solar plexus or it's the you know my case someone's root center energy um that my aura is trying to process and i think that's a really really important point just to actually take a breath take a step back and just yeah. watch how other people's energy influences you so I'd love to hear about, you know, like you've got your chart, you're like, holy crap, this is a permission slip to be me. So how did it specifically change your trajectory? You know, like if you were on one path scaling through LinkedIn, looking for jobs, like once you sort of started to understand your design, how did that really impact your life, change your life for the better? Um, well, it really, I think I mentioned this earlier, like just the, just like the validation that I was like, it helped me trust my creative self a little bit more and helped me trust what I've, what I fixed. So um, I actually made a big career change and I took a, a three month unpaid internship at a uh, TV production studio just to pivot. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm getting close to 30. I'm like, this could, this can happen now. I can still like get by and like be the intern for three months. So I did that. And then I ended up, um, they, hired me freelance for that. So I do freelance uh, production assistance work uh, for television and, um, you know, like commercial production um, as well as uh, I got a freelance writing job. Um, and uh, I also just, now I work part-time for the, uh, the company that I used to work for. And so I just made a lot of changes to my everyday life that really made me feel more like I'm doing myself justice. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, you know, given that you are a single definition MG, like you, you're, you know, energetically independent, you're not someone who's necessarily designed to be working for the other. Um, although you can, you know, like you do have the, the one, eight, the two, 14 and the 29. So you, you contribute to the group well, but you do have that energetic independence that things like freelancing work really well for. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like making music has always been a big thing that I've done. Um, and, you know, I've just kind of put it out there. And um, now I've got uh, another pretty solid set of gigs lined up as far as like DJing and playing like playing gigs like that goes. So that's super fun. And if that ends up being what my career is, then I love that. And yeah. also, you know, I just it, you can see like that up in the corner and my room is just full of art, too. So it's just you know, I just kind of follow my creative flow and I just. It's so good. That's so good. And I just have to say, because at the moment I am sort of diving into all the the gene keys stuff, like all the sequences. Um, and one of the, the cool things, just looking at your chart, like the your design Jupiter, that's where your um, gate one sits. So the, the creativity, um, the creative, and this is really this part of like, um, I think he calls it culture, but it's kind of like how you make, how you make money, how you, you know, in sequence with these other four particular gates that he talks to. So that makes sense, right? Like to be able to be the yeah. freelance and to be able to, um, you know, come from uh, or focus on all the creative things like that's really powerful. I love that. Yeah. And it, it, it ends up, you know, if I have that mindset, just it, even in my everyday, like 
social life. Like for example, a few weeks ago, my friend, it was my friend's birthday, him and his identical twin. And um, I had just found my mom's old camera, her old Canon camera that like hadn't been used in like probably like 10 years. And I was like, I figured out that it still worked. And so I told Ryan, I'm like, hey, I'm going to just, um, I'm going to obviously be at the party, but I'm going to photograph the whole day. So we had like, it- like this whole day where we were out like on this barcicle. So it's like 12 people on this like cart and they're all pedaling and there's like someone steering it. And you bring your own drinks and everything. So I'm sitting there with the camera. I think I took 1,200 pictures and I made individual files for everybody that like was like a focus of the picture. So that was like my birthday thing with him. And he was like, you know, super super grateful to have pictures like that. And I'm like, you know, that's just something that like my creative brain just decided to do. And I found that camera. I'm like, let's let's do it this way. And now I think. it's so powerful, you know, like that is an MG responding, like pure MG responding, F- find a camera. And this was what lights me up, you know. And have you yep. found, especially since, you know, listening to your sacral, following this creative um, energy, like have you actually found that through that process you have, even though it looks nonlinear, even though it looks like you should be getting a regular job, even though all that those conditioning pieces um, cause I know for me, the moment I let go of all of that stuff and just literally followed the bouncing ball of my strategy and authority, everything fell into place. So have you found that? Have you found that even though it looks like it's a bit of this and a bit of that, that it actually is leading you where you want to go? Yes. And I think you put it so, so well, it's not a linear experience. It is whenever you're starting to doubt yourself, you have to remember that, <laughs> that there's a yin and the yang of life and you have to bounce through that yin and the yang. And then you'll get that one moment where like you meet somebody who's like, Oh yeah, I actually know this guy who like needs a DJ for this situation. And then you're like, if I would have quit yesterday, then I wouldn't have exactly. <laughs> been in the situation. Or if I didn't show up tonight, I wouldn't have found that. So it does yeah. feel like you're like a bouncing ball. And then eventually you find, you find that hole to go in and it's like, it's it, you know that little game that like ticky tack game where it's a bunch of like pegs and you drop like a quarter or a ball and it kind of like bounces down yeah weird yep like a it's, pinball machine yeah yep you're just pinballing around and then eventually like you, you're gonna find your way down you're gonna find that it's like it's funneling you down to your ultimate yeah. goal so yeah oh my god i, I think, love that yeah and I, I, I feel it, like sorry go ahead no go ahead go ahead I was going to say, I feel like as an MG, like that's the art that we're looking for, you know, like, because I know for me, it's really hard to let go and let the pinball machine, you know, do its magic. But Mm. but yet in the same breath, like ever since I was a kid, like a little kid, I remember I would wake up of a day and I'd be so freaking excited because I didn't know what today was going to hold. Like I didn't know who I was going to meet, what I was going to do, what I was going to learn, where I was going to go. And that just lights me up. And I think that that's the, the real trick of being an MG is to, you know, we talk a lot about surrender with projectors, but I think with surrender and MGs, it's all about like surrendering to the nonlinear, surrendering to, you know, because I can often be like, well, I have to build my, you know, I have my business model and my, you know, um, my ascension model and I da 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 
And at the moment, it's a perfect example. Like my mind was really attached to a particular part of the, the business that I wanted to grow. And I feel like the bit the the universe is going, oh my God, get the point. This is not where yeah. you're meant to be. Like go where you're excited. What do you want to do? Um, and there's a big part of me that's kind of resisting, like, can it really be that easy? And yes, it can. Like it's that whole really learning to surrender to our design and surrender to to how we're you know designed to show up in the world. And I think as an MG, there's just so much of that. And even if we're like me, like I'm way into my design, I'm totally like, you know, show me universe where I need to go. But it still happens where I'm like, oh, hang on a second. I am totally trying to control this outcome or I'm really yeah, attached yeah. to the way this is going to be. Um, yeah. So I have to just let go. And, you know, often I use that word mess, you know, like just let myself be in the mess because it's not messy. It's just divine. It just doesn't look like everybody else's linear journey. Does that resonate with you? Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. I don't know if you're a big concert goer, but have you ever had those moments where you're just kind of moving through the crowd and it's like, you're just kind of like gliding through everybody. Um, that's how you can't, you can't like force yourself through, or you're going to just cause problems with everybody. But there's those times where it's just like, it just cuts like butter almost. You're just, oh my God, you're just I flowing love that. and you just, you got to, and what I've learned, I think, in those moments is to recognize it, but not linger on it. And so um, a big practice for me with that is um, when I'm feeling those like in the flow, like in the in the zone kind of moments where I'm like really locked in with my design, I just take a take a moment and do a fourfold breath. So just four second inhale, four second hold, four second exhale, four second hold, and then just keep on going. Yeah, regroup. <laughs> Yep. Yep. It's almost like a regroup to not like let yourself overthink it, you know, because there is a point where you you can be like, so, so into like, you're like, I'm tapped into my design right now that you can almost get too cocky with it. Oh my God. So well said. I think that is (laughs) so well said. I think we're extra vulnerable to that as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, sometimes it's just, you can still you can still go at the pace you're going and take a deep breath, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so well said. So, like out of curiosity, do you sit around with your mates and talk about human design? Um, yeah. So I <laughs> I I have to gauge that out if they're gonna be open to it or not. So um usually um I'll just ask about like zodiac signs and if they're like if they know the three main ones, I'm like, okay, do you want your mind blown a little bit? <laughs> because I love that. I've got like astrology times a thousand plus a little bit of science, <laughs> if you're interested. And um I've got the genetic matrix app and I was just looking through the other day and I've got like 25 people's charts in there. So and great. I was like, it's just so it's and I know that I know there's some people that will be like, oh, this is kind of cool, but like, woo woo, whatever. And then there's some people that like take that extra second and look at it and they're like, wait, wait. And I'm like, okay, you're going to need to look up this first and then this and then this. And don't even worry about anything else. Just like when you're done with these five things, like text me. I give people like homework with human design. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's like when um, my husband went on, Justin went on a, um, like a men's weekend, this, you know, they hiked into the the forest and they lived in a cave for three nights and fasted and all this stuff. And um, apparently when he got into the car, like he doesn't know any of these guys, he gets into the car and within five minutes they're all talking about their human design 
And they've literally got a projector, a manifester, two MGs, a generator, and a reflector. And he, t- he texts me and I'm like, oh, my God, I want to be in that car. You know, the fact that these guys are all sitting around talking about their design, um, I just think is so incredibly powerful because I think this is one of the things for me is I want to, I really want to take human design mainstream. I don't want it to be just, you know, women sitting around talking about just feel good, you know, like I want it to be in this place where it's really powerful. I want men and women to be um, loving it because it's making their lives better. It's getting people unstuck. It's healing mental health. Like one of the things for me, having such a deep mental health journey of my own and then, you know, doing all the study and being able to come from that, you know, helping others from a more intellectual point of view. One of the things that I've seen over the years with human design that's so powerful is that once we learn our design, so much of that mental health stuff kind of just falls away. Because like you said in the beginning, you're like, oh my God, this is me. Like, this is me. And I get this every single unpack I do. I'm like, especially with the men, this is, I was just explaining this to someone yesterday. So I get a lot of husbands and mates now. Um, and when I'm unpacking their, their chart, because most of them have come via someone else, they're kind of, they don't, they haven't got the buy-in yet. So they'll be yeah, sitting yeah. back with their arms crossed, whatever. Um, yeah. And then as I start going through their chart, the arms uncross, they lean a little bit forward. And then ultimately they all say the same thing. Like, how did you know me so well? And I'm like, I don't, I'm just reading what's in front of me. Um, So I think that it's so powerful, like having you out in the world sharing this because I really, like I want, by the time my kids have kids, I want their kids, my grandkids going to school with their human design. So we're teaching them, um, you know, the way they're designed to be taught as opposed to just putting them through this freaking process that isn't, you know, really serving anyone. But I don't, don't even get me started on that. So what what would be your um having been in your experiment for a while what's your greatest advice for someone who's just discovered their human design i know you said with your mates you're like go and do this and go and do that but from your experience like what would be the things you think people need to um either practice first or know first or how do they um from your experience how do they um get into their design experiment um yeah, so I, what I like to tell people is um, this is just kind of like I, I love a good skeptic. I almost love it more when someone's skeptical because I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to I might break your brain right now. I love this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I, I'm like, OK, so. What is RNA like? Why don't we know what RNA is? Why don't we know its function? Do you think that we had just, that might be a part of us that we haven't, you know, fully understood yet? And if that's the case, then don't you think that you should be even slightly open-minded about gene keys and human design and astrology? And I'm like, there's a lot to this chart. And also there's 3.5 billion variations of it. So your chart is your chart. Yeah. And that that little kicker right there, that 3.5 billion variation thing, that's what gets that's what gets a lot of my skeptic, especially guy friends, to at least like, hmm, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll check, I'll check this out. Yeah, and then and then from then from there on, like if I've given you your chart, I I like to just make a couple points, and then I'll I'm like just 
Google the rest because it's going to get worded better. And <laughs> I give them like trusted sites for all that stuff. But um, my biggest thing is just have like print out a little chart for yourself or put it on your phone. It was the background of my phone for a while. So I'd always just like kind of like have it right there and just bop around the world like you do normally and just yeah. re- just keep looking back at it and keep, you know, there's, there's sometimes, I also say the wording of it is beautiful. Like sometimes it's, it's almost like poetic with how it's written. And, yeah. and I, I'm like, just keep reading all you can on it and find those little, those little bits and pieces that kind of stick with you and just notice them throughout the day and just, yeah. You don't have to linger on it. You don't have to take a big, you don't have to be like, I've got to get my journal out right now and do this, but like feel that gut feeling and know if you're listening to it or not, or feel that, that really defined clarity that you get from like the Ajna and just take a second and realize that maybe you don't have the answers to everything. And maybe this is an intuitive way to, think about what you don't know about yourself. Yeah. So I yeah. guess question thing is really the, the biggest advice that I can give to people and take it slow. I mean, I, I, like I said, I think I'm 20, per, I would 20% might even be generous yeah. of getting through all of my information. But like, I have a bunch of little like blurbs like this printed out <laughs> yes. and I'll just find them randomly and I'll be like, mm, all right. All right. Gene keys. I see you. I'm going to go back to that audio book that I downloaded about the gene keys. <laughs> yeah. And so I just keep it around, but don't, don't push yourself too hard with it. Cause it can be overwhelming. Very, very overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. I think that's really, really good advice. Um, one of the things that, that I sort of talk to a lot is, you know, like just look at it, just look at the design and um, you know, like one of the, um, I heard someone say once that if we just show our kids their chart, that's all they need. Like you can already start to work within them. So it's the same with us. And one of the really cool things when we first come to human design is just to get curious about the things that pop for you. Like what stands out on your chart? You know, I literally had a gate about a month ago that I was like, is that in my design? Really? Like I really just hadn't paid much attention to it. And this has happened to me throughout the last five years is I haven't forced it. I've just been really like, I'm going to play with it. What does this mean? You know, like there was so much talk, if you like, in my world of around the 3420. So I know that channel really well. But there's all these other little pieces, especially as I go into the gene key stuff that I'm like, God, I hadn't paid too much attention to you. Or, um, oh, I remember you from, you know, a couple of years ago when I talked about you. And wow, you really do play a big part in my in my life. So I think that it's really important that it's that that dance between um, the knowledge, knowing, learning, and integrating it, you know. And if we try and force it in, it doesn't work. We have to actually sort of surrender through our strategy and authority. And I suppose I want to ask you, because within your design, you've got head and ajna, um, but you're sac- obviously a sacral authority, um, and you're a line one, you know, like there must be some sort of big dance between the mind and the body. And how did you come to starting to trust, you know, using the mind as an outer authority to serve others, um, yet keeping all your decisions internal in the body? Um, that's a really good question. Um, so uh, I was a diver for 14 years, a springboard and platform diver. So um, 
I would do like, you know, three meter springboard. If you watch the Olympics, that's like the, the high dive. Um, and then like, I would be all the way up, up top on the 10 meter doing like three and a half flips or like doing a handstand wow. to like two flips. And I don't know, all this crazy stuff that like your body, your, your body knows what it's supposed to do, but your brain is like, no, like, let's get away from this board. We need to get yeah. away from the thing that's going to like make us hit our heads. And, but you're, you're also supposed to stay like an arm's length away from the board. That's like the correct distance, like just a little over an arm's length, but your brain is like, no, 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 no. Let's go way far away from this thing. That's going to hurt us. So that whole experience of having to kind of balance that, like physical with the mind was, I think prepped me very well for this, for like integrating human design into my life, because there's a whole lot of this may not feel this may, this doesn't seem right, but it, you know, it's right. And your body knows it's right. And you've been practicing for this. So you know that you're going to be able to flip through the air three times and then kick out at a certain time so that you can get your hands to the water. And I like, love it, that. it ends up being this beautiful little dance between the mind and the body. And, um, I ended up coaching, uh, I still coach the, the club team that I used to dive for as a kid. I coach now, that's so a so lot cool. of the kids who were like six or seven when I was like a senior in high school. Now they're like seniors in high school. So it's this crazy little, that's so like cool circle experience, but being on the coaching side of it, I actually, I gave, um, I coached a NCAA team and I gave all the girls that I coached their human design charts. That's and I was awesome. Like, <laughs> I was like, do, do with this what you will. But, um, if it's a little too woo woo for you, whatever, but if it's not, it so can really, good. it can really help you get, it, it really just helps you. It's like a brain workout almost. Yeah. Not, not necessarily a brain workout, but like a emotional brain workout. Yeah. Yeah. I have so to ask cause it's, yeah. I have to jump in and ask questions cause I've got loads of them coming <laughs> up. Number one, um, I want to come back to once you gave the girls their human design, like, did you coach them differently? I want to come back to that. But the the piece that I love that you said is like that dance between the mind that says don't get cl- too close to the board and the body that says I've got this. I feel like this is actually something that no matter what personal development we're into per se um, or spiritual work, this is the dance. Like this is the dance of life. Like, the ego is never going to shut up. Like it, mm-hmm. I know for me, it's definitely a lot quieter than it was, but it's never going to shut up. So it's really learning that, that dance, that balance. And like when you were talking, I did um, equestrian sports. I evented when I was um, up until I was in my early twenties, I evented and then went on to, to do dressage. And I remember exactly that, you know, like coming up to a fence, flat chat, you know, like, oh shit here we go, bloody hell, and then the body going, wee, you know, all at the same time. Um, I think that's really powerful. And when we come become conscious of that of that dance, you know, the mind saying, oh, we need to stay safe, and the body saying, no, we've got this, I think that's such a powerful um, awareness for us to have. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to shift it or change it. We can just be like, no, head, I'm not going to listen to you, but body, I'm going to listen to you. I love that. Yep. Yep. That was, it's, it sounds so crazy when people ask me about doing like 10 meter diving. Um, like, so when I do front three and a half 
off of 10 meter. So this is like 33 feet up. This is like three stories up. Yeah. It makes Walk me want to, to vomit a little bit flat. just thinking about it. <laughs> it. It would it would make me feel that way too, even just talking about it now. So you'd walk to the end of the platform and then you you kind of do your approach back. So you like run to the back of the platform. So you're like basically counting your steps. So you're like, I know I got this amount of space before I go off. And you you go to the end and you look out, you look over the edge and you're just like, this is so stupid. And you turn around, you go back, and you're just like, all right you think about all the things that you practiced and then I, what I, I, some people do this, some people don't, but for me it was like, all right, three, two, one, stop thinking, fuck it, let's go. And you know what? I would, I don't think I had ever hurt myself at all. I don't even think I've ever missed that dive. And it's just Mm -hmm. because I always right before, right when the overthinking starts, that's when I would, shut it down and trust, trust all of the work that I had put in prior to that. Yeah, so love and that. that's a pretty extreme, like extreme experience for that. So I think that was pretty ingrained in my head just because of yeah. the, the jumping from heights factor. I totally but, love uh, that. And I totally resonate, you know, like riding cross country on a horse, like when you're in the, they sort of count you down in the box and, you know, any eventer that's done it a few times, like literally as they're counting you down, the horse is underneath you, like feeling like it's about to explode. And I remember having exactly the same thing. The minute you feel like, and I'm in there like, and I think actually I might've vomited a couple of times. Like I'm that nervous. I've just, whatever. And then the moment they, they're like, go, that's it. There's no more thinking. It's like, I'm in, there's, there's no going back. Let's enjoy the, the enjoy the ride. So I totally resonate with that. And that's um, like, I think that's just mindfulness and action right there. I think yeah. that's how I, I think that's when I first really resonated with mindfulness. And I don't think I even understood what it was yet. Yeah. But I love that. Yeah. So tell me, once you had all the, the girls' human design, did you notice that you coached them differently depending on their design? Like, was there an impact from your point of view? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, so I think the main focus that I had with their charts and in terms of the way that I coached them was just, uh, with their root centers more than anything. Um, because you, you really, like I said, you really have to trust yourself to like be able to do, do the things. And, um, so like sacrals and roots, just, if you're going to be high energy, I know how to, how to direct that. And if you're going to be able to, if you're going to be a little like shaky with trusting yourself, I also know how to coach for that too. But um, my whole thing with, with coaching is kind of like what we talked about earlier with you don't forcing it is just not the right way to learn it. So like I could, there could be someone who would, who's like learning a new dive and they're like, Oh, I really don't like to do back, back dives, but I'm trying to teach her a back one and a half. If I just, keep forcing her to try it over and over and over again. And she keeps not like almost making it or not like committing to it. She's going to hate that dive forever. Mm. She's never going to want to do it. Even if she gets good at it, she's going to hate it because it's she, the process was forced and she learned it the wrong way. So I always, one of the first things that I tell any kids that I'm coach or any like athletes that I coach, I'm like, I will never make you do something that I don't think you're physically ready to do, but it's always up to you in the end. If you're not mentally there, 
that's your decision and we can always come back to it tomorrow. The, the world oh is not going to love that if you haven't done a back one and a half. Tonight. It's such a change. Like it's such a shift from my generation, you know, like 20 years and it's so different. You know, I even think like back when, um, you know, when I was uh, eventing, like I literally went to one of these um, clinics with um, one of the Roy Cross, which are like leading eventers or show jumpers they were, but like huge um, thing. And I remember being the youngest on the smallest horse and just being like totally overwhelmed. And it was very much, and again, this is Australian culture as well, like, you know, go hard or go home, you know, it's all this sort of yeah. this old culture. And I remember he put the, the the final fence up of the day and I was like, oh, I'm out. I can't do that. And I said to him, and this is something you don't do. When I was a kid and in Australia, you don't say I'm not doing it to the coach, especially someone who represents Australia. You just don't do that. You just like, just suck it up, sweetheart, and get the hell on with it. Um, yep. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, I don't think I can do that. Like, that's not in me. And he literally, in front of the whole group, he said, well, if, if that horse isn't making it over it, no one is. And he lit, like put all this extra pressure on me. And I remember being like literally shitting myself. And the moment the horse, um, you know, took off, I've just let go of this massive like, fuck, you know, and, you know, from a 12-year-old girl, this was not yeah. appropriate. But anyway, like I just remember being so pushed and I spent so many years trying to feel really confident um, in cross country again because I'd just been pushed way past. Like um, yeah. as an MG, we have this natural tendency to get out of our comfort zone. We're not afraid to get out of our comfort zone. But if someone mm. takes advantage of that and pushes you too far, then that can be when it gets really hard to sort of reel it back in. And I love hearing that the coaching nowadays is more about, okay, well, what are you capable of? Um, where do you feel like you are just out of your comfort zone? Um, but it's still really manageable because that's an area of growth. It's, whereas if we push people too far, then that becomes potential trauma. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. And that there's, yeah, you can't grow without getting out of your comfort zone mm. and, you know, getting out of your comfort zone is exactly like it sounds. It's not comfortable. It's going to be a little bit scary and it's, you got to find that right level of anxiety where it's like productive anxiety. Yeah. And you, you have to be able to remind yourself to do that. Like, just because you're like, Oh, I really like, I love this Netflix show that I'm watching and I could just continue to do it. But like these people that I just met the other week asked me to go out for drinks. Like, it would be really nice to just stay under this blanket. But what if like you met like your new best friend out that yeah. night? And I love it's that. that. It's that we'll go right past the comfort zone, but not so far to make you never want to go back out of the comfort zone. Again. Yeah, I love that. I think it's really important. I really loved the example that you used as well because I think sometimes, or I know, um, in my experience, way too many people think that, well, if it's not comfortable, don't do it. You know, it means your design's telling you not to do it. And that isn't true. It's just not true. Like, it, especially as a sacral being, like, do I have energy for it or not? I know for me, we're in winter right now. If I wake up in the morning, my my soul, my energy is like, oh my God, it's sunny, let's go. My body's like, are you kidding me? It's freaking freezing out there. I don't want to get out of bed. Um, so you do, again, it's that mind, a body thing. It's like, okay, well, do I want to align to my soul? And like you say, get off the couch. I mean, because I've got an undefined root center, but both my boys have. So we do have a tendency to be like, oh, well, we'll just sit it out. 
Um, whereas Justin's got a defined root centre and he's like like on the go all the time as a projector. Like he just naps a lot. Um, but I think this is a really important thing for us to understand and to hear. Like you do still have to be in touch with your body enough to go, yeah, I need to get off the couch. You know, I need to... Um, there's this thing that I'm uncomfortable to this, this step I'm uncomfortable taking my business or yup, it's really time to resign from the job and fully step into the part-time business or whatever it is. Like we still have to be connected enough to our internal guidance system because it's not always just going to be easy. It's not always going to be that moving through the crowd easily and effortlessly. Sometimes someone stands in our way and we have to trust that where do we flow? Do we flow left? Do we flow right? But we have to actually do it as opposed to just being like, oh, it just doesn't feel quite right because when it doesn't feel quite right, it's often an indicator we're at the edge of our comfort zone as well. Yep, yep, 100%. And then there's sometimes where on the flip of that, you have to be like, it is okay for me to stay on the couch and I'm making that yeah. decision tonight because for as much as you would love to just as an MG, just go, go, go all the time. I feel like it's okay to sit down and relax for a minute and don't, you don't have to feel like stressed about relaxing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So totally resonate with that. Totally resonate yeah. with that. Yeah. So <clears throat> the one, the last question I really want to ask you about your design, just because I feel like I, I come across so many um, cross of Edens and I, I wonder, like, was there that time in your childhood where, because this, the, the, what's the word? I don't have story. Like what we hear about the, the cross of Eden is that this is an energy of someone who probably in their childhood, they have an experience where they feel like they get thrown out of Eden. Um, and because they get thrown out of Eden, they then go and create their new heaven on earth, their new Eden. And ultimately over time, they help other people create, you know, their heaven on earth. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, that 100% resonates with me. That was also the the moment in human design, like in my research where I like sat back and was like, that I get that so much. So um, um, I came out as bisexual a few years ago, and I think I realized that at a very young age. And I also realized kind of the stigma of it and I had it bottled in for so long yeah. that uh, I had I had already accepted I realized I had already accepted it at when I was 13 and I had just exactly that I had just created my own Eden and yeah. you know I had kind of just realized I never fit the mold of the like normal straight edge I let's love go that. sit in Let's do normal in inverted commas because there is yeah. no such yeah. thing. But I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I I use the phrase normies too much sometimes because I'm like I'm just I resonate so far on the other side of that. So yeah, I've always just felt like I didn't really fit. I'm like, all right, this this garden is nice, but like, I feel like I could build a real real much nicer, better garden for me over yeah. here. And you know, then you learn. I don't know. I just kind of learn how to balance the fact that the world works the way it does and my brain kind of works a little bit different than that. Yeah. And you just find the way to, uh, I love that. To make, I love that. To make your own little, like to make your own little garden within the, yeah. 
Yeah. And it's fascinating. Um, Thank you so much for sharing because I think this is really important, like especially as we move to the new paradigm, you know, like normies aren't going to exist, you know, they're going to disintegrate because we're not normal. No one's normal per se. It's just that we're coming out of this paradigm where um, we all had to exist as part of a tribe and that's that's breaking down those bonds, those relationships. And one of the things this um, last week I ran this uh, class in HDX about sex, love and intimacy and the new paradigm um, and how things are shifting and changing. And I think what's really interesting because we talk about it, talked about it in there is that we are in this time now where sexuality is completely changing and it's changing because there is no one way and it's that that's why we're experiencing what we're experiencing where people are like, but I feel like this and I feel like this and this is how I identify or this is how I identify. So, And this is such an important time because as we get to the new paradigm, we're really like even sex itself is changing because sex has been all about, you know, whether we like it or not, and especially at your age, it's probably not about procreation, but at the end of the day, that's what sex has all been about. It's just so we have babies and we advance the human race. Whereas as we move into the new paradigm, it's not about that anymore. It's becoming about intimacy. It's becoming about, um, you know, like our deep soul connections. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be having as much sex. There's a lot of talk um, about this new paradigm and there's not going to be a lot of it because it's going to be so different. It's going to be intimate. It's going to be about soul soul connection or consciousness or awareness and, you know, really different experience. So what's so important is that right now people feel comfortable like yourself, and I'm sure comfortable is not the right word, but people feel free enough to tell their truth because we are going through this time, whether it's our our sexuality, our purpose, our relationships, our money, that all of us, including myself, whatever the people are teaching, that's great, but there's going to be your version of that. So we have to learn how to you know, drive our own bus, how we have to learn how to support ourselves in our own experiments so that we can tell our truth to ourselves and trust our own answers. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot less posturing that goes on. I think a lot people are, they don't have to, I, I think a lot of people need to be like kind of pushed into it. Like that's why human design is great. Like if I'm reading your chart, and I'm like, oh yeah, dude, you've got like a, you've got a defined sacral. So like, do you always feel like you need to be doing something? And he's like, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah. And uh, you've got a defined root center. Do you feel like you know what you need to be doing all the time? Like, yeah. And then it, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so do you, does like, does this resonate with you? Like, do, like, you know, and you start kind of going down that line with them, like line of questioning about like whether they thought about this or thought about that or what's your zodiac sign, blah, blah, blah. People will just kind of open up to you. And I feel like they won't be like, oh, that's no, 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 no. That's not, that's not in line with what I believe. It's like, they're like open to, open to learning more or learning, at least open to the idea of learning more. Yeah. And it's because you see them, you know, like when we have people's charts, we see them. One of the things, one of the experiments that um, that I really want to sort of spend more time on is just working with reflectors and really learning how to see a reflector. Um, because I want to meet a reflector so bad. I have yeah, yet yeah. to yet to meet one. 
Oh, <laughs> or maybe well, I have, but I've yet to read the chart. Exactly. Chart. Exactly. I feel like they they also must. I get lots of defined will centers and lots of reflectors. Like um, I find that really interesting because these are like small percentage of people, but I t- do tend to come across quite a few of them. Um, but anyway, I that's probably a really great place to to finish up. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and. Um, I'm sure inspiring lots of people out there to to go down the human design um, rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. If there's if if there's anything that you know, if you're on the fence about doing it, or you you know you want to you want to teach someone or get someone interested in it, just talk to them like it's a journaling tool. Be like, do you like do you like journaling? Like, do you want to be able to like, get a little blueprint of yourself to like journal about? Love it. Human design's the way to go. So thank you so it. much for having me. I love this conversation. This is uh, great. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for joining, Michael. And thank you, everyone, for being here. If you're curious, if you want to follow uh, Michael on the on Instagram, all his deets will be in the show notes, so check him out. Thanks again for joining. Thanks for everyone for listening, and I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone, for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.